Now it's time for the Disney View Podcast. Please move across your car to make room for everyone. Our podcast will begin momentarily. Join Dave as he makes his Grand Circle Tour around the Walt Disney World Resort. Dave is a dreamer and an engineer who enjoys the magic and wonder of it all, but understands Disney's place in history and respects the legacy that's been left. Come along and hear Dave's thoughts about Walt Disney World and see it through Dave's eyes. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, manténganse alejado del David. And now, here's your host. Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. Well, in the background, you probably hear King Arthur's Royal Carousel. I'm standing in the Walt Disney World Resort, and it's one of the coldest days I've ever been here. It's the funniest thing. I, I've always had this thing about wanting to go back to my youth. One time in, I think it was January of 1983. Don't quote me on that. Could have been a year later. There was a... Um, day when it was really cold and we happened to come up here as a family and we spent a day in the Magic Kingdom and a stay, day in Epcot. We had a great time and I remember distinctly my brother and I being in heavy coats. Uh, we're from South Florida so you know something in the 30s requires a heavy coat and I remember distinctly being in a heavy coat and standing out there and uh, walking around Epcot and I always kind of wanted to relive that moment. Even when I was a cast member the temperature never got that cold and the few times that I came up in January, December, uh, it never got cold enough where I relived that moment. So actually, it worked out that this weekend, it's uh, the weekend, uh, the, the first week of the year of 2018. So it was January 4th, 3rd, uh, 4th, and 5th that we came up. It actually was really, really cold. The temperature dipped into the low 30s. I think one night it actually went to 32. And uh, the Magic Kingdom was open till midnight, and there was uh, a lot of things happening, and it was just such a great opportunity. I jumped on it, and I came up, and I brought a couple of the kids, and we had a great time just tooling around the park. And reliving my youth in a fun way, uh, spending time with my kids and kind of sharing it with them in the same way. So we had a, we had fun just kind of going around and really just enjoying ourselves. We hopped between parks. We did different things. I did something this time that I don't usually do, and that's visiting princesses. Uh, my daughter is really interested in that, so we spent a lot of time going in and out of the different princess meet and greets. And you know, that is so much fun. I didn't realize how much fun it was. I, I remember going with her when she was really little. Now she's a little older, and uh, it's neat because they interact with you. And they interact with the kids in such an amazing way, and they're all so good with the kids. You know, and you forget those things over time. Um, I always knew that. I remembered it, but I just kind of forgot it. And seeing it firsthand, the way the princesses interact with the kids is just a remarkable thing. It's really cool because they're so, they're all so uh, wonderful to the kids, and they, they take the time to talk to them and spend a moment with them and, and do things, and it's just really, really amazing. Um, so that, I was glad I got a chance to do that because I, I haven't had a chance to do that in many years. And uh, really, as a, as a boy and having two older boys, and we never had a chance to do that. We went once or twice to see a couple of princesses with my older son just because he was interested at some point when he was a baby too. But it wasn't the same interaction level. Uh, so it was really cool to see that. It was really fun. The other thing we did, um, we rode around on the monorail uh, many times, as many as we could, going to different places as we park hopped and whatever. And uh, this one time, we were riding along, and there was this funny thing. Uh, the, uh, the monorail uh, pilot was just this amusing guy. It was like maybe 1 o'clock in the morning. We were riding along, and uh, he just starts this thing 
and it was so funny. He just he just has this shtick, and he's going over the intercom, and he's laughing, and he's cutting up. And I caught a little bit of it on audio that was just so funny. I wanted to share it with you. The last voice you hear in there in there with, with the song is me repeating a song that he had sing, sung several times that he didn't sing again. But it was just really incredible and so funny. Here, let's take a listen. This is the Transportation and Ticket Center. Again, I also call it the Magic Kingdom parking lot, home to the Heroes of Villas parking, like Aladdin, Simba, Jafar, Ursula, Zork, and those spots there. It's also the connection to get to the resort monorail as well. So just go down the ramp, make a right, go up the one that says Magic Kingdom monorail. That's where they're loading up for the people for the resorts. All righty. So that's it. And this is where we say goodbye to one another. And I just want to say thank you guys so much for joining us today at the Walt Disney World Company. And I also just want to let you guys know I'm going to miss you so much. Thank you for Ladies and gentlemen, slowly, slowly we approach our destination. Slowly, slowly, and still moving very slowly. Slowly, slowly, and we're there. All right, folks, check your pockets for your keys and bones. They tend to slip out, make sure your bags and your purses. Thank you for joining us today. Have a great day, folks. Stay warm. Please collect your belongings. Watch your head and step as you exit. The Great Floridian, as I say it, the Polynesian. Rolling, rolling, rolling on the monorail beam. <laughs> that was funny. That's stuck in my head now. The guy was awesome. It was just really fun, uh, and that you know that just, those are the kinds of things that make the the whole experience really special. Uh, we also sat in the back. Uh, of the train and talked to the conductor as we were going in the train. We sat in the back of every tram we took from the parking lot and talked to all the uh, tram people that were there, all the you know all the workers that were out there. And we wound up talking to them and chatting with them about their day and whatever. And it just makes the experience that much better because you realize you remember the cast members are what makes this all work. Everything about this place—it's—it's it's, you know—it's got a certain magic to it, but the cast members are what remind you that the magic works. And so, interacting in that way made this a really amazing experience and I think it was really cool and I think everybody really enjoyed themselves um, we just had some fun you know going around and just doing everything we could and you know trying to get as much in as we could uh, just just remarkable to be able to, to experience it that way so right now I'm so right now I'm standing over in the exit area of the uh, Splash Mountain, and uh, I had forgotten how much fun it is to wait for somebody at the exit of, a, of an attraction. I used to do this all the time, and now I've gotten to do it because my kids want to ride roller coasters, but I don't ride them, so it was kind of awesome. It was so much fun to just hang out and just wait for something to happen. So there is a certain thrill in hanging around and just waiting at the exit to certain attractions. Sometimes I'll get in line with the family or friends and wait, wait, wait until we get on the attraction, and then I'll head out and wait at the exit. And sometimes I just let them go themselves, depending on how long the line is, who's there, and I'll just go and wait at the exit. But there's something really kind of charming and cool about it, because you're watching everyone else come off the attraction and kind of enjoy it. And there's these quiet moments where there's no one, and you're kind of standing around, and it's just very pleasant to just stand there for a few minutes and maybe watch the attraction photos or watch people's reactions or whatever the, the case may be. There's a certain kind of charm to that. It's a different side of Disney that most people don't get to see. It's, it's a kind of an interesting thing just to kind of watch the perspective of the end of the ride. So you can watch people loading on the ride, the excitement that goes on, and then they, the thrill when they come off. 
it's kind of neat to be able to do that. And I, I know it's a little strange, but it's something that I just kind of enjoy. Another thing that I wanted to point out, I was uh, walking through uh, Frontierland, and I noticed there's a little shop that's across from where Pecos Bill is. It's just a uh, small uh, kiosk. And most of the time it's closed, but when it's open, one of the things that they serve is waffle fries. Pecos Bills took that off of the menu, uh, what, a couple of years ago, two, three years ago. And uh, I miss the waffle fries. They're always good. So they, um, they put the waffle fries on the menu across the way. And if you're, hap- if you're lucky enough to happen to be there on a day when they're busy, they'll probably be open. They serve chicken nuggets and waffle fries and a few drinks and whatever. But you can certainly get the waffle fries and then go over to Pecos Bills and get something you want and kind of mix and match a little bit. So it's kind of neat because they brought them back. And I, I just think waffle fries are kind of fun. And there's only a few places you can get them. And that's, you know, when you're at Disney, it's just one of those charming things. That's what I remember from when I was a kid. You go to Pecos Bills and you get waffle fries. So I'm kind of glad they brought them back, at least in some form. So, of course, because I went up to the world, I have some amusing anecdotes to share. And one of my favorites, and it's probably going to be one of my favorites of all time, happened at Cosmic Rays. And it's funny how many of my anecdotes happen at Cosmic Rays. I don't know what it is about that particular dining establishment, but every time there seems to be something amusing that happens there. I guess it's a common denominator because it's a place that serves a large volume of food. Anyway, we uh, go up to the counter and I'm going to order something to eat. And we're at the uh, host station and we're going to order. And across from me is a lady who's buying her meal. So she's just finishing up with her and she's going to switch back to me. So the lady at the other side, her total comes to maybe $31.82. So the host says, okay, uh, you know, how are you going to pay for this? She hand, pulls out cash. She hands her $30 in cash. And she looks around. She doesn't have any more um, bills. So she reaches into her purse and she pulls out a handful of coins and she holds them out for the, uh, for the host. Now, I'm supposing that the person didn't understand U.S. coins and how they worked and what their amounts were. So she just held them out and she goes, could you help me? So the host goes, Sure. And she starts counting out, do, 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 counting out all the coins and trying to figure out how to get to, you know, the dollar eighty-two. And the lady says to her, can you use up the small denominations? Because there's a lot of them. I see there's a lot of pennies in her hand. So she's pulling out the pennies. She's counting them. She's counting them. She's counting them. And then she counts out enough to get to the dollar eighty-two. And then the lady reaches into her purse and pulls out another dollar bill. She goes, oh, I'd like to use this. So she hands her the dollar bill. So the, so the host puts back all the coins in her hand and starts over and starts pulling out coins again. So she reaches into her hand again and she counts out and it's like uh, 75 pennies and she takes one dime and she goes, okay, 85 cents. Then she puts it in the register. Then she gives her back three pennies. And I'm like, what just happened there? What what just happened? That was so random and so weird. You know, she couldn't have left the three pennies there and in her hand and done it that way. No, had to make it difficult. It was just one of those random odd moments. And I'm just standing there scratching my head, trying to figure out what the heck was going on there. I couldn't understand it, but it sure was funny. Uh, just going back and forth with coins. And I felt like we were there for 10 minutes waiting for her to count out the coins twice. Pretty amusing. And then just one of those kind of subtle, funny moments. You know, a lot of times you'll see cast members around the park, and sometimes you can recognize them as being cast members based on their demeanor, sort of where they're from, with other friends, seem like they're from out of state, that sort of thing. Sometimes it's it, there's other ways to tell. You just sort of notice people, and you notice that they're, they're cast members, perhaps. Well, this one, we went on the Jungle Cruise, and there was a very recognizable uh, man who was the skipper on the Jungle Cruise. And he had a very distinct, distinctive voice and a very distinctive uh, appearance. And so uh, later that same day, we're in line for Buzz Lightyear, and he's in front of us. And it was just one of those funny moments when you go, hey, that's the guy that was on the Jungle Cruise, because we could actually connect the dots and see who this guy was, because we recognized him from earlier in the day. Funny how that works sometimes. 
I did have one interaction with guest services, and it went something like this. We were in the animal kingdom. My daughter had brought her little pin book with her with a few pins she wanted to trade. And uh, we went and had some dinner, and she left it sitting there. And we got up and left, and uh, we were gone for maybe five or ten minutes when she said, oh, I love my pin book. So I went back, and uh, it wasn't there anymore, but there were some people who had been sitting next to us, and they said, oh, you were looking for the pin book, the little purse, right? I said, yeah. They said, oh, we just gave it to the cast member over there. So I talked to the cast member. She said, yeah, I handed it to security. Security probably took it up to the front. She goes, let me see what I can find out. And she went in the back for a minute, and she came back out, and she goes, yeah, yeah, um, here's my supervisor. And her supervisor came out, and she goes, yeah, um, we, found the, we found the little purse there, and we sent it up to the, to the front. It'll be at guest services up in the front, so you can just go pick it up there. So I'm like, fine, no problem. So we go up there, and uh, you know we're waiting for a little while. We wind up talking to some interesting people in line, you know, have different issues. It's interesting how some people have big issues and some people have very small issues and some people just want to say thanks for something. Some people are going to lost and found, you know, different mix of things and wind up talking to people and learning a little something about what their interests are and, you know, what, what motivates them, why they're going to guest services. And it was, it was kind of interesting because you could just see some interesting challenges and things that guest services goes through every day. I've known some people who work there over the years and it's always different. You never know what to expect. And we wind up talking to this one lady who was saying she missed her daughter. She was supposed to meet her at such and such time up by the front, but her daughter went ahead and left and got on the bus and went back to the hotel. And I'm like, why didn't you just take the bus? She goes, oh, I want to charge my phone first. Hey, fair enough. So anyway, finally get our turn, go up to the front. I'm talking to the guy and I said, yeah, my daughter was over at uh, the restaurant there and she left her book and it's just a little pin book. And uh, they said they brought it to Lost and Found. He said, okay, I'll go take a look. He said, it was a pen book? I go, no, a pin book. He goes, what's a pen book? I'm like, no, no, pins, you know, like uh, trading pins. He goes, oh, a pin book, sure. And it was just kind of funny because it was ridiculous back and forth because I explained to him, you know, they were trading pins and whatever, and it was just funny. It was like, (laughs) he wasn't getting it. It just wasn't sinking in. And he's like holding a pen in his hand. You mean like this? No, a pin, a pin. (laughs) It was just kind of ridiculous. My son's just looking at me like, What? How is he not getting this? So he goes in the back and he finds it and he brings it out for her. And she was all excited that she got it back. Uh, but it was just one of those kind of amusing things. And it's that's one of the things I really like about Disney is they're really good about if you lose something, typically it will make its way to lost and found. Sometimes it takes longer. The person in front of us, uh, they had lost something earlier in the day and it hadn't made its way to lost and found. But he goes, look, here's what we'll do. We'll take down all the information. You know, we'll, you, you describe it. You tell us what it is, whatever. Give us your home address. And um, if you're not coming back in the park tomorrow, we'll mail it to you. And I've had that happen in the past. Many years ago, I lost a sweater, and I did that, and I wound up uh, filling out the paperwork. And about three weeks later in the mail, I get my sweater, and it was just great. I mean, I, I still remember that as being something that was a very positive kind of guest experience that way. And I was always thrilled about it, and it, I always remembered that. And I thought about it when I worked there, and I think about it today, that that's really what makes the guest interaction so great is sometimes things just work out really well for you. Even though I had left it behind, I still got it back. So kind of neat that she was able to get it back and have that moment. Of course, he gave her a sticker too because, you know, that's what you do and everybody goes away happy. So we left there and we were, we were feeling pretty good about things. So there you go. That's another story for you. Now, Disney did have an interesting problem while we were here. There was some sort of a computer glitch. I guess they had one in October. My son was doing a little research here. So they had one in October, and then they had another one on January 1st, and then they had this one. And this one um, caused uh, some computer outages, and I guess their website was down for some period of time. They had some issues with things they were doing. Um, There were problems with the, the, uh, the systems. 
they uh, they went you, you, you going through the turnstiles was hard because they had trouble scanning fingers. Um, a lot of the fast pass issue they had a lot of fast pass issues, so fast passes weren't being distributed properly, couldn't be used, and that caused the wait times to go up dramatically on rides when fast passes were sort of in and out a little bit. It was kind of a, just a crazy mess all the way around and made things really interesting. It was a fairly crowded day that the day it happened. I think it was January 4th that it happened. Um, so it was kind of crazy and uh, it made things really interesting. Uh, but, you know, you make the most of it. You just have some fun going around and making the most of your day. It, it was like old school almost where you just had to go and fight the crowds and wait, you know, wait with people and do some things. Whereas, uh, you know, today we were so gotten so used to the fast pass that it's, it's easy to move around and maneuver. Uh, and now, you know, the, this one time where it was broken, it, it was just kind of funky because you had to kind of work around things a little bit. But it was really neat. I mean, it was an interesting experience to have to go back and think old school a little bit about what it was like to deal with uh, working with things. And the other thing uh, I wanted to point out, I, uh, we were, we were uh, going around different places and, you know, like I said, park hopping and doing things. And uh, my son and I noted that there was a security hole somewhere. And I'm not going to tell you what it is. It, just, it was just an observation. I've notified, you know, Disney security myself just to make sure they were aware of it. I'm sure they are. But it was one of those things where, you know, it just kind of struck me. It was like, wait, you do all these improved security things. And there was a little hole that we just kind of randomly encountered. And it was weird. Uh, you know, but I think that's the thing. They're always trying to improve security and do things differently and make things better. They were running several security tests while we were while we were there. So a couple of times things were shut down, or the monorail would stop, and they'd have you know they'd say we're running a security test, and you know you don't know what they're doing exactly, but they were doing different tests, and you could you could see different security people moving different places and doing things. So they're always on top of it. They you know they seem to be always be aware of what's going on. Um, much different presence of security than there was, say, 15 years ago, uh, 20 years ago. Uh, when, you know, it, it was all very, you know, he had some security guards around, but it was very open, open-minded about things. Now it's, there's a lot more scrutiny put on things and a lot more things happening that we probably aren't even aware of. I'm not aware of them, certainly, and I'm sure you aren't either. But it's uh, interesting to kind of see it. And when you see something, you know, it's like I always say, you see something, you say something. I, I'd rather they be safe, so I'd rather they tell them about it. Uh, so that's, that's my take on it. Because of some of the technical issues that I mentioned before, there were a lot of rides that went up and down a couple of times and you'd be looking at the app and you'd see that it was temporarily closed or it was reopened or suddenly the wait time would jump to some significant amount of time from being closed because they had just reopened it and everybody was coming in and all the fast pass people were allowed to use their fast passes. So kind of funny that way, the way the whole days, the couple of days worked out because it was a lot of issues and with the computer systems and whatever. So uh, at one point we were on Listen to the Land and uh, we were in there. I'm sorry, it's living with the land, right? We're going along. The water jets just stop, and the boat is just kind of slowly floating along. And then it kind of stops, and then it floats backwards a little bit, and then it floats forwards. And we we hear the announcement come, uh, please stay seated. We're going to send a cast member out. And then it stops. And then they come back and they say, no, the ride should start in a moment. And we're sitting there for like, I don't know, it was a palpable amount of time, whether it was five minutes or 10 minutes, I'm not sure. But we're sitting there for an amount of time. And, you know, floating backward and forward, you'd hit, you know, a jet that was somewhere and you'd come back a little bit and you float forward and then you come back. And uh, then suddenly it started again. And I was like, oh, man, we almost got evacuated from the ride. That would have been so cool. But it didn't happen this time. And then it was amazing how many times things, you know, kind of broke down and they had to restart and uh, things were happening. So I'm, I'm guessing the you know, computer problems they were having had some impact on some of the uh, systems that run some of the attractions. I found it interesting that Disney decided to open the Hall of Presidents before the holidays. 
On the one hand, I have this kind of strong feeling that they shouldn't have let the bully in the bully pulpit dictate to them how they needed to do their shows. There was the back and forth between Disney and Trump. Trump was saying, if you don't do it, I'm going to boycott, blah, blah, blah. And then finally got around to, well, I'm going to record something and you can use it in your show. And if you don't, then blah, blah, blah. So it's kind of a weird mix. And Disney gave into it. They're a private company. They had no reason to, but they did anyway. So uh, they reopened the show and the, the bulk of the show is exactly what they had planned with no speaking part for the president. And I didn't get to see it this time. But my son did while we were off visiting the princesses. And he reported back that, you know, the show itself, a little boring, kind of stodgy, more like the original Hall of Presidents kind of thing. You learn a little bit about history. It's kind of interesting. And then at the end, there's Trump standing up there and he's saying stuff that doesn't really fit in with the theme, doesn't really make sense in a general sense about the way that the president Hall of Presidents works. It just kind of is there and it's kind of, you know, platitudes and things that he would normally say. And... You know, he does the thumb gesture and whatever, and it's kind of weird. And he goes, it doesn't really fit in the show. Now, I didn't see it. That's just his explanation of it. He had to do it for his own little, you know, social media experience and telling people about going to the different things that he went to. And he wanted to see the new Hall of Presidents because he had to do it as, as his own social media thing. And, of course, that's what he wanted to do. So it worked out fine that way because he could report back to me since I didn't get a chance to see it. And it just seems kind of odd that, you know, Disney gave in, decided to do it, and then it doesn't really work and fit. Now, maybe his true supporters will love it because he's there. I don't know. I didn't talk to anyone about it specifically. I didn't see a lot of people going in and out of the show. But, hey, it is what it is. That's the way Disney decided to do it. I'm just disappointed that Disney gave in in that sense rather than standing up to him. And for what it's worth, the person in that office should not be bullying companies into telling them what they should and shouldn't do and how he'll treat them if they don't. Anyway, moving on. So while we were there, we realized that Stitch's Great Escape was open, and it's the first time it's been open in a while, and they've been talking about closing it. Now officially or unofficially, the close date will be Monday, January 8th, or was in this case. And so it was open for a couple of days while we were there. It was a little bit more of a peak time, so they had uh, good crowds. They opened it up a little bit. And so we wrote on it for one of the last times that it's going to be running. And the show is pretty much as I remember it. Well, totally forgettable, so I guess I don't remember it. And I was, I'm was i looking at it and I go, I don't remember some of these things happening. It's, you know, it's clever, it's cute, but it's kind of trivial and silly. And I don't know why they bothered to put this in. It's kind of stupid. The Stitch and audio animatronic is great. I think he's really clever and it's very well articulated and all that stuff. But the show itself is just kind of lame. And you watch it and you go, uh-huh. But it was the last time they're running it and they're going to put something else in there. And it was kind of neat. And we were sitting there and the, the crowds were actually pretty good. I guess people knew that it was going to be the last time it was going to be running. So the crowds were pretty good. And most of them, I think, were Florida residents, though not all of them, certainly. So we're sitting there and there's a group of uh, a family that comes up and sits next to us. And there's a couple of boys, maybe teenage boys or so. And they, they walk in and they look at the room and they go, wow, this is cool. And they sit down and they look up and they see the harness that's going to come down over their shoulders. And one of them says, mom, I was wrong. This is an awesome ride. And then he looks around and he goes, the room's going to spin, isn't it? This is going to be cool. And unfortunately for him, <laughs> the show ends and he looks around and he has this kind of bewildered look and he says nothing. I mean, the show is just that bad. It was like he thought it was going to be so cool and he wound up being utterly disappointed, as we all are or were. And it was kind of funny. It's, it's one of those quirky things. You, you, you'll miss it in a way because it's a piece of history. But on the other hand, they can just close it today and I'd be fine. They could have closed it 10 years ago and I would have been fine. They could have never opened it and that would have been okay. But that's the way that uh, that particular attraction went. So along the way, we're doing photo passes. And 
I don't get free photo passes with my annual pass. Um, some of them do. My particular one doesn't. And that's okay. So I have to pay for any downloads I'm going to use. Uh, and typically, I don't use PhotoPass anyway. It's just one of those things that I don't normally do. So I try to eschew the whole PhotoPass thing. You know, I, I think the PhotoPass photographers are nice and they're doing a good job, but I think it's somewhat intrusive. I miss the sort of the spontaneity of seeing things without having the PhotoPass photographer there. So anyway, we're there and uh, we're going to see these uh, princesses and, and various uh, other characters. And the first couple times I went in, I tried to not get a PhotoPass card at all. I wasn't wearing my magic band, so I was like, eh, I'm not going to get a PhotoPass card. And the first guy we encountered, he goes, you have a PhotoPass card? I go, no. He goes, oh, here's one. I go, no, I don't want it. Thanks. He goes, no, you don't understand what PhotoPass is all about. I'm like, yeah, I do. I'm good. I don't really need it. And he's trying to get me to take it. And I'm like, no, thanks. And I just walk out. And he's like, he gives me this look, like, bewildered. He can't understand why I wouldn't take the PhotoPass. So we go on throughout the day. And finally, at some point, I'm, you know, I'm doing this again and again. And finally, somebody hands me a PhotoPass card and I just take it. I'm like, fine, I'll take it, whatever. And I keep the PhotoPass card on me. And every time I go somewhere, I'm done with you know, fighting it. And I just hand them the PhotoPass card. And I have no intention of downloading any of the pictures, but I go ahead and hand them the card anyway. And at one point, I go to see one of the princesses. And there's a very bubbly and excitable person who's there. And she's, you know, she's the, the cast member who's, who's helping all the, uh, the characters and organize things. And she says, do you have a PhotoPass card? And I looked at her and I go, yeah. And I just reach in my pocket and pull it out. And the look on her face when I did that was priceless because she's just like, what? You don't understand what PhotoPass is? What? You're not excited about this? What? It was just so funny because I didn't care. You know, it didn't matter to me. It was just funny that I reacted to her that way. I'm like, okay, sure. Yeah, here's my PhotoPass card, whatever. And I kept playing with people that, you know, different times I go, PhotoPass, what's that? And let people play it along a little bit. No, 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 I know what it is. We're good. Um, but it was just kind of fun to have a little fun with it because if they're going to be that intrusive and be that way, I'll play along. Thankfully, I have my cell phone with me and I took plenty of pictures. So I got the pictures. I captured the moment I wanted to capture, but it was, wasn't about that. And I think back to like when I used to go in the 80s and 90s when I'd go in and hardly anyone carried a camera with them. Once in a while you had a camera, but it was a film camera. So you didn't take that many pictures. Maybe you took a few here and there, but you didn't take a lot of pictures. So you'd go visit a character, maybe you get an autograph, maybe you'd get one picture, maybe you wouldn't, maybe you'd just have the interaction and that would be the end of it. So it's funny how it's evolved so much in the, you know, 30-ish years from when I started thinking about this to be like you have to capture every moment and every personal experience and everything that's going on with video and audio and, you know, everything else and, and, and still photography. It's just an amazing thing. And speaking of technology and the way it's advanced, the fact that the My Disney Experience app is so prevalent. I was doing it and I saw everyone else doing it. Their nose is buried in their phone and they're missing out on the moment. I'm walking along and I'm looking, oh, I wonder if there's a fast pass for this. And I'm looking up, looking down, looking up, looking down as I'm walking along and I see other people are doing the exact same thing. And honestly, while I like the, the fast pass experience and being able to book rides and you know, not necessarily have to wait in line or wait very short times, that's terrific. I think you miss out on the nature of what Disney is all about. It's the immersive experience because now you're immersed in your phone and you're not interacting with your family around you and you're not doing things. You're looking for dining. You're looking for fast passes. You're looking, what's my next thing to do? Where, where do I need to go next? And you're not spending the time interacting and having fun. We become so regimented as a society that our phone becomes something that's everything to us. And I'm guilty of it too. Obviously I'm doing these podcasts and I always have my phone with me, but it's, it's kind of weird how it's evolved to this point where it's not just about the experience anymore. It's about this collection and this thing we're doing together. And I noticed my son was going along and he was, you know, 
uh, Instagramming and Snapchatting and doing various things with his friends and, um, you know, going off and sen- sending messages as we were going through the parks, so everybody would know where he was. You know, it's sort of this live feed, right, of everything that he's doing. So very different from what I do, but yet very similar, right? Just being out there and being talking about himself in some way, talking about his experiences in some way. It's really kind of interesting how we've all evolved to a different space and we're thinking about all these different things. And, you know, it's interesting how we, we have these different views on the world than we used to with our cell phones and the technology we use. And I'm watching everybody and I'm thinking about this and I'm like, wow, things have changed dramatically. In all, the thing that pays off the most is when you actually spend the time to do a little planning while you're on the go. We didn't have time to plan in advance. It was sort of a last-minute trip where we decided to go up and visit the parks, so we didn't have the luxury of being able to plan fast passes well in advance. So what we were doing was hopping in the app pretty regularly and looking for fast passes to see what was available so we could do other things besides just uh, walking to uh, do the standby lines. Now, we did do a bunch of standby lines, but with careful planning, we tried to minimize our wait time. So we'd tour around the park for a while. We'd look to see what the wait times were at certain attractions. Then we'd head over to them when they started to decrease a little bit. Sometimes it was like during the parade in the Magic Kingdom or the fireworks. Uh, and at other times it was just sorting, starting to plan up like near the end of the day, trying to go into certain attractions and so forth. So we, we thought through how to best manage our time and use it efficiently so we could go to different places and move, away, move around the park a little more efficiently. It also meant that park hopping came into play. We actually left the park uh, we were in a couple of times, went to another park, spent some time there, did some things over in that park, and then left that park and went somewhere else. So, you know, Once in a while, you'd see a fast pass come open for something in another park, so you'd grab it uh, and uh, just work with it that way. Because we hadn't planned in advance, we were really just taking one fast pass at a time and didn't worry about which park it was in. We just kept moving around. Hey, what's the attraction? what are the attractions we want to see? And we kind of laid them all out. And then as they became available or the time was right to get on them, we took them. We happened to be there when it was a little cooler so we could take advantage of, actually a lot cooler, so we could take advantage of, uh, say, Splash Mountain. During the daytime, the wait time was only five minutes, so we were able to jump right on it and, and ride it because not many people wanted to ride it in the cold because you get wet. And I totally understand that, but uh, it worked out okay for us in that sense. And because it was sunny out, it really wasn't such a big deal, not a big hassle to go out there and uh, stand outside and be a little wet. So you kind of work around it a little bit and you kind of do a little, you know, a little strategy session thinking about where you want to be, what attractions you want to do. And I guess that's my general advice to you is to spend some time and think about what attractions you like, what things you want to see in whatever amount of time you're going to be there, and then try to prioritize them. If we're, you know, in our family, we try to say, okay, what are the top three that anyone wants to see? And anything that we have in common those always go first, you know, off the top of the list. We make sure that we do those. Any that any individual wants to see, we try and make sure that each individual gets to see at least one of the attractions they want to see before anyone else has a chance to see another one. Sometimes it doesn't quite work out that way, but we have a plan for it anyway. And we're always working toward trying to get them to the attractions that they want to go to. So that way we get to see everything we want to see. We also start thinking about where would we want to eat so we can be in the right park at around that time. So for example, uh, we wanted to eat in the Animal Kingdom uh, for one meal, and we wanted to eat at Epcot for a couple of other meals, so we tried to plan around our days so that we could do that pretty efficiently. And uh, that way we could you know, be there at the right time, pick the right location to eat, and, and have had all the things we wanted to do, gotten them done, and uh, gotten around and done some different things. You know, you don't want to, the other thing you don't want to do is crisscross the park if you can help it. Yeah, and changing parks just to go see one ride, it's kind of painful. But if you plan for it, I'm going to spend a maximum of six hours in this park, and then I'm going to go over to that other park for six hours. 
it tends to work out pretty well that way because you can kind of plan your day a little bit and sometimes you have to break it up a little. In this case, the Magic Kingdom was opening at 9 o'clock and closing at midnight. Epcot was opening at, uh, World Showcase opened at, I think, 10 and uh, it closed at 9. So it was easy to just go around and say, okay, we'll go and we'll uh, go to the Magic Kingdom first. We'll be there early. Then we'll go over to Epcot around dinner time. We'll spend a few hours there, and then we'll head back to the Magic Kingdom and uh, be able to catch some things for the last three or four hours of the evening. So it worked out pretty well. We wound up one night being a little bit late coming back, uh, and we were actually on the monorail when the fireworks were going off. So it was kind of fun. We got a unique view of the fireworks as we were going along on the monorail. That was kind of cool. Uh, I don't think I've ever had that experience before. I've seen it a lot of different places, but I don't think I've ever watched them from the monorail. And because the monorail was uh, switching trains on and off at that point in time, we were sitting there for about 10 minutes, so we got to see most of the fireworks while we were sitting there. And then we were able to go into the park and have some fun, and people were still kind of distributing out. Uh, still, a lot of people like to leave after the fireworks, so since the fireworks happened to be at 9, people were leaving, and that gave us three hours with a little bit lower crowd to be able to kind of tool around a little bit. So it was kind of fun. Once in a while you miss out on something, once in a while it doesn't work out and you wind up having to do something that you didn't expect. But, you know, that's one of the things that makes it kind of fun. You wind up going and doing something that maybe you didn't expect to do and you wind up uh, finding another adventure and you, you kind of have to keep it a little bit fluid. That's my big, my big thing is trying to keep it fairly fluid and not be so regimented as to what you want to do. As long as we get to the attractions we want to get to sometime before we leave, we're in good shape couple of times we wanted to ride the, uh, my daughter, she really wanted to ride on the Tomorrowland Speedway. And every time we went by and we checked the app, the wait time was over 60 minutes, which seemed kind of strange for the Speedway, but it was. And we'd walk by and we'd see the line was, you know, snaking around a little bit. So we wound up uh, grabbing a fast pass for it at some point. It showed up on, on the app, so we grabbed it and we waited in line for only about 10 minutes. So it was perfect. Had that not worked out, we probably would have wound up waiting in line at some point, maybe on the last day, so that we could have gotten it, because that was her top attraction. But it was pretty neat. You know, sometimes you just kind of have to do a little bit of thoughtful planning without being so regimented to, I'm doing this, 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 this at these times, and here's where I'm meeting. Uh, and it was, it was kind of fun. Now, the other side of it is planning for dining. I found that this time, because it was a little more crowded up at the parks, it was just after the first of the year, there wasn't much in the way of sit-down dining available. Uh, most of the, uh, the sit-down restaurants were already taken and full, and we couldn't go to any of them. So we had to work our way around a little bit and go to some other restaurants and do some other things. So we wound up doing a lot of quick service, which is just fine. I mean, I was okay with that. I was with the kids and whatever. I wasn't looking for a fancy meal. But, you know, a couple of times it would have been nice to go somewhere, um, maybe, say, um, Chef Mickey's or Be Our Guest or something fun like that. But I couldn't get any of those. So this time we didn't do them. But we tried to do other things to compensate. So, you know, we eat some, you know, there's some quick service restaurants that I really like, I've told you about before. So we, we uh, tried to do those. We tried to eat at Epcot and eat at some of the countries because there's usually some pretty good food. If you kind of uh, poke around a little bit, you can find something you like in some of the countries there. So we did some of that instead, and it was a lot more fun in, a, in the larger scheme of things because we'd only spend, you know, maybe a half an hour eating instead of, you know, a sit-down meal taking the full hour. So it, uh, it kind of worked out to our advantage, and it really was okay. I mean, it was all just fine. It worked out terrific. We had a great time. I don't think anybody walked away saying we didn't get to do what we wanted to do. I think for the most part, everyone did what they wanted to do and just kind of enjoyed themselves uh, hanging around and doing some things. So it worked out, uh, it worked out uh, okay in my book. Well, that is my podcast for this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. And remember, if we can dream it, we can certainly do it. Bye now.
Thank you for tuning in to the Disney View podcast. We hope you had a pleasant stay and arrive home safely. Please remain seated until your ride vehicle stops completely. Then, gather your personal belongings and step out onto the moving platform. And yes, I know it went by so quickly, but don't worry. One of the nice things about traveling on this podcast is that the journey is just beginning. Show notes are available on DisneyWorldPodcast.net. While there, please check out some of our affiliates. You'll also find links to Dave's iPhone and iPad apps. There's an app for pin trading, one for finding hidden Mickeys, and an app for finding and tracking pressed pennies around the Walt Disney World Resort. And you never know just what Dave is working on next. If you have questions, feel free to drop Dave an email at davesdisneyview at gmail.com. Original music you're hearing in this podcast is Oslo Doom by Gilberto Gil. Of course, this is a fan podcast and in no way affiliated with the Walt Disney Company. 